0: Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's time. it's time. It's time. Time to get in the zone. time to get
1: in the zone. With the 49ers web zone. This is the No Huddle Podcast with Al, Zane, and Brian.
2: If you see this face and if you hear this voice, that can only mean one thing. That means the San Francisco 49ers have won their 10th straight game. They have clinched the number two seed. They're hosting a game this weekend at Levi Stadium, at least one. And they're the hottest team in the NFL. I'm with Brian Rennick, Al Sacco, I'm Zane Nackby. This is another episode of the 49ers Web Zone No Huddle Podcast on the Odyssey Network. We are celebrating another victory. This one, I mean, this one was was a little bit close to the beginning, but a great tune-up for the playoffs. We didn't know seating going into it. There was a lot of stuff up in the air. We didn't know who they were going to play next week until the Green Bay game. And we know now. The old friends from the Pacific Northwest, the Seattle Seahawks, who the 49ers have beaten twice already this year, by the way. So just like last year, a third time against a divisional opponent in the playoffs to move forward. Guys, let's unpack this one.
1: I just think, you know, to start, I think we're getting to the point right now where this team finally looks dominant. We've been waiting for that for a while. When, when are they going to put it all together? And they have. I think that they are right now. And they're doing things right now, you guys. So you know me. I'd like, I'm like. i always thinking about this stuff. My wife will look at me and be like, what's wrong with you? Why are you ignoring me? What's what's going on in your head? And I'm just thinking about football. That's it. Like, I'm not thinking about, like, my guma or anything like that, right? Like, not that I have guma, but I'm just thinking, like, Think of football. Yeah. That's it. So I'm thinking about all this these yeah. weird stats with the Niners. And I'm like, all right, they've scored 37 points or more in the last three games, 37, 37, 38. When's the last time they did that? You'd have to go back, I think it's like 51. They scored 37 plus in three of the last like 50 games or 51 games. It's right around there. You'd have to go all the way back. The fourth time that they did it was the NFC championship in 2019. So that would have been the fourth time going all the way back before this, this three week stretch, if that makes sense. That's how prolific this offense has been. With Brock Purdy under center, that this isn't counting when they were down seven to three. Since he came in, they have outscored their opponents 198 to 97. They've scored 33, 35, 21 on a Thursday night at Seattle, 37, 37, and 38. This team is rolling. The defense doesn't look as invincible, but still probably I think most people would take Niners defense over anybody else going into the playoffs or pretty much anybody else. It's still very, very good. And the offense has been a juggernaut. So the best offense in the league the last six weeks, what else can you ask for? What else can you ask for? they finally put it together? They're finally rolling. And I think along with the Bengals, they're probably the two hottest teams in the NFL right now.
3: Yeah, it's a, uh, it's interesting. <clears throat> the 49ers, Defense pitched another shutout in the second half, and nobody talked about it mm-hmm. just because it's like, oh, oh, hum, just another second half shutout, no big deal. And because of that dominant victory, uh, and and the fact, and, well, and let's be honest, the fact that the the Bills uh, played one less game than, than the 49ers, uh, the 49ers ended the season, uh, number one in point differential, uh, number one in scoring defense, and uh, not only that, but Sunday's game marked a clean sweep of the NFC West. They went six and zero against their division rivals, the Cardinals, the Seahawks and the Rams to the tune of the 49ers putting up 169 points in those six games and their opponents putting up 53, which means they gave up less than 10 points a game against their division rivals. Like that's, that's just bonkers. And that is, mm-hmm. that is, I, I, I don't think there's anything that you could really point to and go. There's something, there's something out there that could tell us that this team is more dominant than this, right? It, it's mm-hmm. difficult. It's difficult to sweep your division. The last time the 49ers did it, it was 1997. Somebody actually mm-hmm. just put it up, right? Was as I was about to say it, uh, let me throw it on the screen for them. 1997 was the last time the 49ers swept the NFC West. It's not easy to do and not only did they did it but they just absolutely slaughtered all of them just non-competitive every single game and it is it's just it's just really really impressive and you know it, it, i've 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 said this before i've run out of i've run out of superlatives for this team like i don't even really i can't even really figure out how to talk about them because they've just been so good to the point where I feel like we don't talk about some of the things that they've done enough, right? Because it just becomes commonplace. And so, you know, they're the only team again, besides the bills to allow less than 300 yards or 300 points this season. Again, just a, just an absolutely incredible performance. And, uh, and there isn't a weak link on this team. You know, the, the offense is now matching the defense. Or, or you could argue has surpassed the defense in terms of their dominance. And even the special teams. Uh, the special teams finished the season ranked 15th in, in, in DVOA. Uh, last season, they were 26th. So again, every aspect of this team has gotten better from last season. And last season, they made it to the NFC Championship game. So I think that speaks to the expectations that we should have for this team uh, going into the postseason.
2: And that thought about the point differential, Brian. It's the first time that they've led the league in point differential since nineteen ninety five, with a defense that was led by
3: Pete Carroll. Carroll.
2: Yes, <laughs> which is the, the the ironic thing. But I think that to your point, um, and, and to Alice's point, I, I think that where we were, you know, ten weeks ago when they were three and four, <laughs> it's like you say, Al. Oh, my how the turntables, right? It's just a completely <laughs> different vibe on this team. They have. They have confidence that they can get the job done on both sides of the ball. Kyle's coaching with the confidence that, frankly, I've never seen before from him. And you just know, like, even when Arizona was close, even when it was close in the first half, they got the old Madden double up at the end of the half, which I don't yeah, know if did. there's a better team in the league that that does the the double up with the end of the half score and then the beginning of the half uh, they score again. Yeah, I don't know if there's a better team in the league that, than the Niners at that. So once they got that score at the end of the half, I'm like, okay, this is over. They're going to score at the beginning of the second half and then it'll be out of reach. And that's exactly what happened. Like there wasn't really one one moment in this game where I was actually worried because they got that touchdown off the flute play where Demo was in position and, and he could have either knocked it away or possibly picked it off. A.J. Green was just one of the best wide receivers in the league at one point, right? High point, not long. What do you do?
3: And get taller than it? Taller than him. And also there's a bit of a push off from A.J. Green there. I but saw that too. I saw the I replay. Yeah.
2: <laughs> they could, they could have, but you know, you know how the NFL is. But you know, even at that point, they got down seven nothing. Like that's oh, not a big deal. They came right back. They took the lead, and then after that, it was basically that was it. They went back and forth for one more drive. Like you said, they pitched a, a shutout in the second half, and it's just become the norm that we become we've come to expect from this forty nine ers team. And to go from perennially losing for all of those years from when Mariucci left. Until Harbaugh got here, and then when Harbaugh left, to making hopefully deep runs in the playoffs, three out of the last six years, it's been it's been a very very interesting time in Kyle Shanahan's tenure, and I think and I think that I want to give him his flowers because I've been critical of Kyle, right? I have been very vocal about that on the show, but the job that he's done this year, to me, he's owned, earned Coach of the Year. Mm-hmm. He has taken his team, I think, and done his best job. I feel like this is the best team that he's coached and the best job that he's done. And he's taken a team that was dead in the water twice this season, brought him back from the depths and he's put him in position to potentially win a championship. And that's what other coach in the league is going to do that for you. What other coach is going to do that? I I can't think of very many at all.
1: Yeah. He's, 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 he shot himself up into the upper echelon here and he needed to this year. I, I don't think that's unfair to say. And he did. And he's right now the only 49ers head coaches with multiple 13 win seasons are mm-hmm. Shanahan Walsh and George Seifer and that's that's pretty damn good company and there's just been some cool things that they did this year. Ayuks the first wide receiver with a 1000 yards and at least 18 at least eight touchdown catches since Crabtree did it. Mm-hmm. Um Kittle and McCaffrey are the first Niners teammates with at least 10 plus touchdowns since Gore and Vernon Davis did it back in 2009. They scored 23 offensive touchdowns in their last six games if my math is right. <laughs> <laughs> they had 27 in the first 11. Mm-hmm. This has just been great to see, and one of the things that really sticks out to me: George Kittle has seven TDs in his last what is it? His last four games?
3: Four games, yeah. Yep. So he two never one, had one seven two. TDs.
1: He never had one seven TDs in a season coming into this year. What's different? What? Well, how come they're scoring all these points? What's What's different? Does McCaffrey make a big difference? Yes. yes, I think that's a big part of it. I think the other thing is the guy behind center. Yep. And, and I re- I really feel like it's 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 that easy to say. And one of the things Purdy did a stat that stuck out to me. Patrick Mahomes and Tua led the NFL with a six point three percent touchdown percentage this year. And Josh Allen was second at six point two. They're the only three QBs who qualified, um, had enough attempts to qualify that were over six. Purdy is at seven point six percent. He doesn't have enough attempts to qualify for, to qualify quite yet, um, nor will he since the season's over. But so, but just to even do that, it's not like he did it in two games. He did it over six basically full games. Mm-hmm. That's really impressive. And again, the proof is just in that this team has turned into a juggernaut. They're an offensive juggernaut. They're the best offense in the league the last six weeks. Mm-hmm. And the main difference, I think McCaffrey makes a huge difference, obviously, because the offense is really running through him, but you cannot deny it this. We spent years talking about it. What's what's the holdup on offense? Why aren't they scoring? They have all this talent. I think the answer is right there, you guys. You know, Purdy is not a finished product. He's still a rookie. He still makes mistakes. I saw somewhere he still—I forgot what the number was—but he's still, you know, the turnover-worthy plays that PFF says he's still making. But whatever, wow. no, he's, he's a rookie. Yeah. Any rookie does exactly right. Whatever. He's not perfect, but he's perfect for this team right now. He's making the right decisions. He's throwing the ball where it needs to go. He's doing what Kyle wants him to do. He's playing with ice in his veins. He's great in the red zone. He's, You know what they're doing? Excuse my language. They're finally fucking scoring touchdowns. <laughs> How long have we waited for this to happen? They are finally scoring fucking touchdowns. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. We've been waiting since, I don't even know what, I don't know, Steve Young? I don't know, for this <laughs> his team to, to break break up points like this. So it's just, it's really exciting. I don't know what's going to happen, but to have a quarterback who's put some juice back in the Niners again, and it hasn't divided the fan base. It's, it's, it's just been cool to see.
2: So really quick, Brock Purdy has set the rookie record for the 49ers for a number of touchdowns thrown, 13 touchdowns. It's, that is a 49ers rookie record, by the way.
3: Yeah. Well, it's and awesome. then, and then, and not only that, but, you know, he has four interceptions on the season. One of those was that stupid came in that Chiefs game when they got blown out and he threw an interception. Yeah. So in reality, outside of garbage time, he's 13 touchdowns, 3 interceptions. Well, Juwan awesome. dropped one
2: too, right? Awesome. So
3: Yeah. And so right, you, right. I, I yeah, and I I agree out. Like it's it's hard because it's like th- th- this kid has five starts, right? He has five starts. I mean, six six games if you include Miami and and you should because he came in in the second series of the game, right? So Yeah, he
1: basically played that whole game.
3: Yeah, he played the whole game. Um, and I, I don't, like I said, I don't want to deal in hyperbole. I don't want to deal in like Brock Purdy is, you know, is the best quarterback the the 49ers have had since Jeff Garcia, right. Or Colin Kaepernick or depending Mm -hmm. on, 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 on your flavor of quarterback. But the last time that this offense was this dominant and, and scored, touchdowns at a stretch like this was 2013 when Colin Kaepernick was the quarterback. So this is the best offense arguably the 49ers have had since the Colin Kaepernick led 2013 team that, well, we won't talk about how that season ended, especially (laughs) with what's happening this week. But, but they score like that then though. Did they score? Not, I'm, it's not his question. There was a, there was a stretch that they did That's And that's what I'm talking about. There was like a five game a five. I think there was a five game stretch where they scored 30 plus in. Right. All because for the, yeah, because for the, for, for the 49ers, they've scored 30 plus in five of their last six games. Right. The only one being that game in Seattle on Thursday night up in Seattle. Right. And, and I said in that game, The 49ers are playing like this is a Thursday night football game. And there was still, there still wasn't a single time in that game where I felt like the Seahawks were actually in the game. Mm -hmm. I understand what the final score was like. I get it. But regardless, that game never felt like it was going to end any other way than with a 49ers victory. And so it, it is Brock Purdy. And can this continue? I, I don't see why not, because to be perfectly honest, and it, I feel like I feel like we talked about this uh, maybe last episode. I don't there's nothing that that Purdy is doing that it's like gimmicky, right? Like mm-hmm. where defensive coordinators could look at it and go, okay, if we could take this away, then then I think we'll be fine, right? There's nothing that he's doing that defensive coordinators can take away, right? Especially with Kyle Shanahan as his play caller. All Brock Purdy is doing, is, is the answers to the test that he's already been given by Shanahan, right? It's like, Hey, here's the play. If this is the look we get, here's where you're going to go. And he goes there and it's right. Right. Because Kyle Shanahan can call an incredible game. And if the play breaks down more often than not, Purdy is going to, at the very least, extend the play either throw the ball away or 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 get positive yardage. Now, there were a couple times in this game where I felt like, oh, okay, there's some rookie things, right? The two sacks that he took, especially that one that was like, I don't know, it was like 15 yards or whatever, where he thought that he could outrun Isaiah Simmons. Mm-hmm. I, I think sometimes Purdy overestimates his own uh, athleticism. And I think that can get him in trouble in the future. But I also feel like, he is such a quick learner that that situation, he's going to watch that on film and go, okay, next time I got to know, Hey, I'm not going to outrun this guy, right? Like I got to do so. I got to get it. I got to get the ball away, whatever the case may be. I saw something the other day, which I thought was interesting. We talk about Brock Purdy being sneaky athletic and really what he is, is he's quicker than fast, right? He doesn't have long speed, but he is really quick. And Jack hammer who covers the 49ers for the Santa Rosa press Democrat tweeted out Brock Purdy's 10 yard split in the 40, which is one five, five. Okay. Christian McCaffrey's 10 yard split in the 40 is one five, five Tyreek Hills split in the 10 yard split in the 40 is one five zero. so I quote tweeted and I said, you know, Brock Purdy and Tyreek Hill, same player, right? Like obviously joking, but, That's where, that's where his escapability comes from. And so you combine his poise with his escapability and his, his, his football intellect, and you've got a quarterback that can run this Kyle Shanahan system to the level that we've seen it. And like I said, I don't, I don't see where this would slow down. Now I I could be wrong, but I just don't see it.
2: Yeah, I think that the biggest thing is is that they're not turning the ball over. So I'll throw some stats at you guys. So the 49ers have turned the ball over 17 times this year. That is the third fewest in the league. Their quarterbacks, so all three of them, Trey, Jimmy, and Purdy, have combined and throw 30 touchdowns and nine interceptions. Those nine interceptions are also third fewest in the league. They're not turning it over. Al, I remember a few weeks ago you put out a stat of how Kyle Shanahan quarterbacks generally – it's, it was almost like a one-to-one touchdown to turnover ratio mm-hmm. with, with most of the quarterbacks, Jimmy included, they're not turning the ball over. And that's, that's to me, that's the biggest thing. When you play a clean game, it increases your chance of winning exponentially. And they have been playing clean game after clean game. And even when they do make mistakes, their defense leads the league in interceptions. They have 20 interceptions. That's number one in the league. It's
3: and tied, they, but yeah,
2: sorry, that is, that is tied for the first in the league. Yeah. So they can get the ball back and, and, I think that when you have a combination of not turning it over and the the rate that they're turning the other team over, that lends to what we're seeing now. And that's all that Kyle needed really is a quarterback who doesn't, doesn't give it to the other team constantly, doesn't throw it to them. And he has that in Purdy and I'm not, I'm not going to knock him for taking the sacks that he did. Uh, It's interesting because he took more sacks than he usually does. And I wonder if that's just a product of him, like being like, okay, I just need to know when to call time of death on this play and basically just like sit down and take a sack, right. Rather than force it right. somewhere. And to me, that's a sign of maturity, right? Because even when he's running around outside of the pocket, like you could get hurt out there. You could, I mean, I wonder if he was even instructed by his coaches, like, yo, I don't want you running outside of the pocket. Just take the sack, get down and live for another play because of the nature of where they're, where they're going in the playoffs. So it's just, he seems wise beyond his years. And when you look at him, it doesn't look like you're looking at a rookie it looks like you're looking at a five or six year veteran the way that he commands the huddle the way he throws the ball like he's made that corner like against the grain corner throw to the back of the end zone throw to kittle like a like a a thing now every every game he makes that throw and that's not an easy throw for a quarterback to make it just makes it look routine and now you add elijah mitchell who had a fantastic game coming back in his first game in, in a couple months and you add debo as well who looks spry this team As long as they don't turn it over, this team is absolutely, to me, the favorite in the NFC. Real
3: quick, to go speak to that, Al, hold on, just real quick. I forgot to mention this, Zane. You spoke about the turnovers. 49ers also led the NFL in turnover differential, which, again, speaks to what they've been doing.
1: Brian, going back to what you were saying, 2013, the Niners had a five-week stretch where they scored 35, 34, 32, 31, and 42. And that was weeks four through eight that year. But then they kind of went. They only had nine points against the Packers. The couple games before that, they had seven against the Colts, three against the Seahawks. So they did score that year, but they were a little more inconsistent than we, you know, what we've seen with Purdy. Yeah. It looks like he's, you know, like you guys said, here to stay. Um, the highest passer rating through five NFL starts in the Super Bowl era: Kurt Warner, one thirty-one point four; Brock Purdy, one nineteen; Mahomes, one sixteen point three; Romo, one fifteen point eight. Those other three guys had pretty good careers, so <laughs> it, it just it just really looks like he's. Set up to, again, unless he totally has an implosion in the playoffs, a four interception type thing or something where it just, you know, just looks like he loses it. If it stays status quo, it's hard not to think he's he's going to have the leg up on the QB1 moving it, into next year. And that's it, pretty exciting.
3: And here's the thing that I want to ask you guys, because my answer is No. Like you, we, we always, and, and I, I understand saying it right. Like, unless he has this implosion in the playoffs and the mm-hmm. playoffs are different. I get it. All of that. Is there anything that Brock Purdy has put on film or, or anything that you have seen in any game to tell you that, that an implosion like that is even in there? Cause yeah, it no. doesn't to me, he's mm-hmm. just, and, and, and again, to me, A game like that from a 49ers quarterback is is only happening if all they're trying to do is fit balls into the middle of the field, right? That's a Jimmy Garoppolo game where where he's like, I'm not throwing outside the numbers. That throw that Purdy made to Christian McCaffrey uh, in the second half, it was outside the numbers to the opposite hash, right? That was prior to, I believe it was prior to Mitchell's, Mitchell's second touchdown. Right. Or is, is I that, or prior to, no, it was prior. That's it's what it was. The, it was prior to that Kittle touchdown, the, Kittle, the, the one in Kittle the corner of the end zone, yeah, that yeah. throw, Jimmy Garoppolo wouldn't dream of attempting that throw and Purdy right. threw it on a rope. And so, you know, we've talked about his limitations and part of it is his arm talent. Honestly, I think he has more than enough arm to succeed in this offense. Right. And that's the other thing. You don't need a cannon to succeed in this offense, you just have to be accurate and hit the open man. And so far he's he's shown a, a, an, an insane ability to do that. And before we move off, Purdy, I do want to say, uh, for those of you that are listening or watching, uh, if you go to my uh, Twitter timeline, uh, somebody had tweeted out a video of Matt Campbell uh, on senior day Ooh. when it was Brock Purdy senior day. I mean, it looked like Matt Campbell's son was graduating with how emotional Matt Campbell was. And it just kind of goes to show you what this kid did for that Iowa state program. And now he's brought that to the NFL and to the 49ers. And I think if Brock Purdy was six, three and not six foot, he'd have been a top 10 pick. I can almost guarantee it. It's just, he does not have the measurables and people get scared off by that. But quarterback is far more than just being, you know, God's gift to quarterbacking and, yeah. and, and, and he displays that in spades.
1: And sometimes you get lucky because you get a guy who has things that you can't measure, and, that, and that's where exactly. I think they are with them. That,
3: so, dog. that. That dog, that <laughs> <laughs>
2: dog.
1: And the other thing, I think, Zane. I think you said it about they're not turning the ball over. Jimmy, Jimmy wasn't turning the ball over either. And I think the reason for that is Christian McCaffrey. I think with yes. both of these guys uh-huh. when they needed a checkdown or an outlet or an easy completion, he's there. Uh-huh. The job that. Lynch and Shanahan or wh- whoever brought him in, whoever was the one who pulled this, this is one of the great, could end up being, see how far they go, one of the great Niner trades of all time. Sure. If they finish this thing this year and they win the Super Bowl, you could say it is the best Niner, Niner trade of all time. This guy has come in and been the focal point of the offense. He's been a calming presence to an offense that was having a lot of trouble scoring, to an offense that shot itself in the foot a lot. He's been the kind of presence. He's been the one that the, that the offense has gone through. He had with a, in eleven games with them this season. He led the team in rushing with seven hundred and forty-six yards. The six different running back under Shannon <laughs> to lead the team in rushing. <laughs> he caught fifty-two balls for four hundred sixty-four yards overall. He had two hundred and eleven touches in those eleven games. Twelve hundred and ten scrimmage yards. 10 total touchdowns, and then he threw for a touchdown. He's been didn't make the Pro Bowl. He's been an MVP. Oh. Like he's been he's been an MVP candidate these these eleven games. And I think if he was with the Niners the whole season, I think he would have still think it's Mahomes award. But I, I I think he would have gotten more push for the MVP this year because he's been that good. And I'm really excited to see him in the playoffs. I'm I think it's gonna be great for you know the nation to kind of see what he does for the team. And um he's just to me been Debo was Superman in a lot of ways last year. He definitely was, but McCaffrey's just been somebody who's just brought he's just brought everything together for them.
2: And I think the biggest thing here is that they were, we didn't, who knew all along that all they were missing, the missing piece from a Kyle Shannon offense was like an elite running back. We were like, Oh, it's the quarterback, which I mean, partially, yes, they need better receivers. It's the O-line play, but really this has been the largest difference making acquisition that they've had. I mean, you could argue Jimmy was, was also, but they didn't really have a quarterback at that time. Right. Like it was, it was just a bunch of rookies and and Nick Mullins, but This has been the biggest difference making acquisition. I would say around the league this year, like since the time he was acquired and the job that Christian McCaffrey has done, he's a mismatch against everybody. He, he splits out wide. It's a mismatch. He goes in the slot. It's a mismatch. He's coming out of the backfield. It's a mismatch, like more so than Debo because he plays the running back position and he's able to find creases in the middle because he has that experience. Like Debo was really good at that last year, but it's, it's less so this year because it's teams are expecting that now you add McCaffrey to the mix and this, this offense, all of a sudden, it seemed like when, when, before McCaffrey got here and, and I guess before he got into the mix, he started in the second game, by the way, they're undefeated since he's taken over the starting role and that's no surprise. Mm-hmm. But before he got here, the offense was disjointed. They were clicking at times. They were not clicking at other times. Debo was getting very little out of the backfield and we just, they, they just seem kind of discombobulated. And he's like you said, out. he's brought that calming presence that sure-handed presence that that the quarterbacks is really a, just the quarterback's best friend. To be able to dump it off to your security blanket when the play breaks down or when you can't find anybody open and know that every time he touches the ball, he's getting six yards. I mean, that's that's a huge luxury. And yeah. that, to me, is one of the biggest parts of Brock Purdy's development that that we can turn to is that – he has that safety outlet because he doesn't have to force it down the field. He doesn't have to force some tight windows. All right, cool. Nothing's there. Let me dump it off to McCaffrey and get six, get an easy six yards. So again, I think that this, this is a super bowl roster, right? And McCaffrey, by the way, is going to be here long-term. Like he's, he's under contract, right? So he'll, this is not like an Emmanuel Sanders situation. Yes, correct. Mm -hmm. So is not an Emmanuel Sanders situation where at the end of the year, they'll let him walk. He, he will be a part of this team going forward. And I think that's one of the most exciting things.
1: And now he's got that, that compliment to him too, with Eli Mitchell back because every time Mitchell just looks like a freight train. Every time he runs the ball, he's yep. fast, he's violent. And this season he's only had, what does he carry the ball? 40, 40 times, 45 times all year, but he's had in the games that he's played, he's averaged 6.8 yards per carry, 4.9, 6.5, 5 and 11. So he's coming in and just, he's just putting the hammer down on people and to have both of them going into the playoffs. I know we're talking so much about Purdy and rightfully so. But you may see games with them where they're just running it down people's throats. that could happen yeah. too. And Purdy just plays sort of the compliment role. it's It's really exciting offensively. We haven't even got the, the defense. It's really exciting offensively what they're capable of. Yeah, really
2: quickly. one more one more point on this. When you can have your running backs taking off like six and a half yards a yards a pop, it makes it that much easier for your offense. It puts you in a short down and distance for second and third down. And that's much easier than being in like a third and 10, third and 12, especially on a young quarterback. So I think that's the other thing as well, is that they've been been able to keep it like manageable for him on third downs. And it's been so much easier because of that. And even then, like it's third and four. All right, cool. It's just a quick dump off from McCaffrey in the first down. Like how many times have we seen that season? So it's just, I, I think that they're clicking on all cylinders. This is what we had hoped for. And Hey, full steam ahead in the playoffs.
3: Yeah. Now, one thing I'm
1: a little bit worried about, if the Lenore, the cornerback thing, the mm-hmm. passing thing, that's where it could get a little dicey. I think Lenore kind of has a sign on him right now that says "throw at me," um, which is which is fine. It, it is what it is. He's going to get tested. You know, Hufanga towards the end of the season, uh, Ryan's mentioned he's had some issues with with eye discipline. Maybe his eyes caught in the backfield or whatever it is. And the Niners had given up what was it, three hundred and sixty five yards of Reverb was Jared Stidham and, and David Blau at 164 yards passing. I know they had the one one long pass, but um in the first half too. So that's sort of the one place that I'm that I am a little bit worried on the defensive side of the ball where they can um maybe maybe get exposed a little if if the defensive line isn't dominating, if Dre Greenlaw isn't back. Um they could they could get exposed a little bit there. The difference is I think they can score with teams now, whereas before I was thought if you gave them 30 points, you were done. Now I can see them winning a game 38, 35 if they have to. But that's the one spot I'm still, you know, we're, we're happy. It's been a great run. But if I want to win a Super Bowl, I don't want to yeah. win a couple – we've won playoff game. I, I want to win a Super Bowl. And if you're going to win a Super Bowl, you're probably going to have to beat Burrow, Allen, or Mahomes. Uh-huh. So sure. that's something that's definitely got to get short up. And that that's probably the, the one glaring worry I would have if you made me pick something out right now.
3: I would say that, you know, you said outside of that, out of that long or outside of that one long reception, right? So that reception was 77 yards. Mm-hmm. Uh, without that, Blau was uh, 13 of 17 for 103 yards. Um, so, you know, not, still still not impressive by, by any stretch. Um, I thought Lenore covered that play really well. The thing that Lenore doesn't have is, is it, or at least it appears right now, is great ball skills. It's, you know, not ideal. Uh, but you think back to last offseason, or last postseason, the 49ers had, like, no corners, right? They were, yeah. again, trotting yeah. out Josh Johnson and Ambry Thomas, right, and and Dante Josh Johnson. Wanted. And what did I say? I meant Josh. Oh, <laughs> My bad. Well, well, they now they, Josh they tried a lot Josh, they tried yeah. Josh Johnson Which is game, why right? it was so bad, right? Because they're throwing, they have <laughs> quarterbacks going out. No, sorry. Uh Josh Norman. Right. Josh Norman, Dante Johnson, uh, Amber Thomas, right? And uh D'Amico still put on an absolute coaching clinic in, in the postseason. So I'm not super concerned, um, because I I I think they've they've shown an ability in the past to be able to scheme around uh, uh, at least one liability in in the uh, in the secondary and so as long as Travarius Ward is up to the task and I think that he is um I think they're going to be I think they're going to be okay especially at at the very least especially in this in this NFC field right um you know like you said out obviously we want a super bowl um and you know you're going to you're going to have to win one facing the likes of a Mahomes and Allen or a Burrow. I don't think anybody else is coming out of the AFC. So it's I'm one of those three, why. but so I'm not overly concerned, but, but there is, there is some concern there. Um, and I think, I think this team has has such tremendous veteran leadership that they're going to, especially on the defensive side of the ball and the offensive side as well, but we're talking about the defense. I, I really think Fred Warner and company are, are going to, Lock it up, right? Uh, to use a wedding crasher's reference, lock it up. You lock it up. Lock <laughs> it up, right? I think that they're going to look at each other, you know, in <laughs> this week, and and that's what they're going to say to each other. And and I, I think they're going to come out and absolutely smother uh, the Seahawks team. And and we'll we'll preview that uh, on Wednesday. Before we get out of here, we got about uh, thirteen minutes left. Uh, one thing that we wanted to do was give out some uh, season awards. Right. And we wanted to do some that are maybe not quite the, what you would think uh, a couple that you would, and, and some that you wouldn't. And so, uh, I wanted to do that, uh, with you guys. And so the first, uh, the first award, if you will, that, uh, that we want to, uh, hand out is our, uh, Offensive player of the year. And I think, you know, I almost want to say non Christian McCaffrey uh, addition, right? Cause we've got a couple others that are non player specific or whatever. Um, so let, let's do that. Right. Let's make it a little bit more difficult. Cause we just talked about how Christian McCaffrey quite literally transformed this offense. He is the offensive player of the year. You could argue, he. I mean, outside of Justin Jefferson going meteoric, Uh, you know, he's probably one of the top, he would, should be a top five finalist for, uh, for offensive player of the year, but for you, 49ers offensive player of the year, non Christian McCaffrey edition. Uh, since I threw the non McCaffrey edition in, I'll go first. Uh, and, and my, my pick is going to be, uh, Brandon Ayuk, And the reason being is because he got his first 1000 yard uh, season, which is great for Iuk Uh, But not only that, he really gives this offense a number one wide receiver and allows Debo Samuel to be whatever they need him to be in any given game. It almost allows Kyle Shanahan to just use Debo Samuel as a chess piece based on opponent Uh, because Ayuk is, is reliable. Uh, I think he has the best hands on the team. I think he's... I want to say he's the best route runner on the team but I actually do think that's still Christian McCaffrey. Uh mm-hmm. but at the very least they're they're tied in terms of of their route running ability and it's just it, it was a great year for him. Uh he, I I think this is just the beginning for Ayuk. I think this is his first 1000-yard season. Uh, I don't think it'll be his last and uh I just love the kid and I found out this season he was born in, in in the next town over from me. So he's a local kid for us as well. Grew up in Reno, but born in Rockland, California, and then uh, actually uh, went to junior college in Rockland as well at Sierra College before he went to Arizona State. So I'm going to give my Offensive Player of the Year award to Brandon Ayuk.
1: Yeah, I would second that. That's what I was going to say. And you, you made a good point about that he he became the number one receiver this year. And i went even farther with Debo. The Niners played, paid Debo a lot of money. I know Debo is not necessarily a true wide receiver. He's a jack of all trades, but he didn't have a great year. He's hurt. He only had three games where he had over 58 yards receiving. You know, you're paying him big, big bucks. And and I love Debo, but he didn't have a great year. It just is what it is. It happens sometimes. And Ayuk really stepped up. He he was someone that was a safety valve for the offense. He made some huge catches. You look at uh, the last drive there um, against, last drive regulation against the Raiders, how clutch he came up with the four catches on there. Eight touchdown receptions and a thousand yards. Like we said, the only receiver to do that since Crabtree. Debo had the yardage last year and only had six reception touchdowns. I know he had a lot more with the rushing, but you know, I've done things as a receiver we haven't seen with the Niners. And, you know, other than Debo and Crabtree and Bolden had a few good years there. Um, but it's been kind of few and far between. So to have somebody there who I think is number one, and we mentioned it last show, Brian, if he was on a team that threw more he wouldn't just have a thousand yards. He probably had 1400 yards this year or a team without as many weapons. So he, he has taken that next step this year. It's exciting. And for me, I think on the non McCaffrey, he would be my choice too.
2: So I'm going to go away from that because I just, cause I want to be different. And yeah. my, my offensive player of the year is Ray, Ray. No, <laughs> it's uh it's, it's George <laughs> Kittle and Kittle said, he set a career high with 11 touchdowns this year. He had 765 yards receiving, and uh he had 60 catches as well but his value to this offense is is far beyond receiving the ball and and i think uh, one of the biggest complaints that we had about the offense was that they didn't find kill in the red zone and specifically over the last last four games when when purdy is has started they've been able to consistently find him in there and that's something that was missing in his entire career here where, where he wasn't too much of a red zone threat and all of a sudden now the changing quarterback they're able to kind of integrate him there but Again, his impact goes beyond catching the ball. Like he's He is arguably the best blocking tight end in the league. And for, for the level of superstar Not that he is, I would say he's the best. But to yeah. you know, I always have some people saying, oh, well, so-and-so is <laughs> better. But I would say Kittle's the best. Yeah. But for the level of superstar that he is, the fact that he gets his nose dirty and blocks the way that he does, to me, is even more impressive. He just outgained Travis Kelsey uh, in terms of yardage in the first six years. They, nobody has more yardage in the first six years as a tight end than George Kittle, he beat well, him by two yards. He didn't play
1: his first year. I it's, saw that stat. It's still, counts. Nah. <laughs> it still <laughs> counts. Hey,
2: Kittle, Kittle was playing with like Nick Mullins and C.J. Beathard his his rookie year, right? So, like, I mean, come on, and Brian Hoyer. So it's like you know, like it it all balances. But hey, I'll take it. He beat him by two yards, by the way. I'll take that. But George <laughs> Kittle is is the offensive player of the year, in my opinion.
3: Love it. All right, let's move to the defensive side of the ball. Defensive Player of the Year, non-Nick Bosa edition. So again, we had non-McCaffrey on the defensive side. This is non-Nick Bosa edition, because obviously Nick Bosa is the Defensive Player of the Year, not only in the NFL, but for the 49ers. And I think arguably you could say that he would should receive some MVP consideration based on his impact. But uh, Defensive Player of the Year, non-Bosa edition. Al, why don't you go first? Oh man, this is a hard one. So I
1: thought about this a little bit, and I thought Fred Warner, I thought Dre Greenlaw, those guys both had great, great seasons. Warner had 130 tackles, Greenlaw 127. Greenlaw led the team with 82 solo tackles. I think Hufunga in the first half of the season, I I probably would have voted him, but I think where I'm going to go with is Mooney Ward, Tavarius Ward, because when when E-Man goes down, they really needed him to be a number one corner and I think he he mm-hmm. answered the bell overall. I, I think he had a really, really strong season. They went out, they paid him to do that, and he answered the bell. So I, I would go with him. That was a great addition. I'd hate to think where they would be without him after Mosley's injuries. So he is my choice. It's a tough because again, you can go a lot of different ways, but he'd be my choice.
2: I was gonna go Mooney to you, but I'll go I'll go somebody else. Just to just to keep it fresh. So I'm gonna go Greenlaw, Dre Greenlaw. Big play, Dre. What a fantastic year he's had. He's really come into his own violent player, always around the ball. He had that big interception in Seattle and or the big, sorry, the big, the big fumble recovery in Seattle, uh, forced fumble in Seattle. And he is always near the ball. And that's all you can ask out of your linebacker. And when they've, when you could, you could say that, you know, the defense hasn't missed a beat since he's been hurt. But I mean, that's, I think that's a reflection of people around him. But Dre Greenlaw, like he is one of my favorite 49ers. He is the Seahawk killer, and I expect him to have another big game this weekend against the Seahawks.
3: Yeah, um, uh, Mooney Ward, probably the the correct answer. Um, I love the Dre Greenlaw pick. I am going to go with All Pro Fred. Um, I think he is the glue that holds this defense together. Um, I think he's the spiritual leader of the defense. Uh, I think that uh, as he goes, this defense goes. And if you look at the games where the defense struggled, those tend to correlate with games where, where Fred didn't have a great game. And so mm-hmm. uh, the, I don't think there's another player in, you know, you if you heard people talk about the uh, the game prior to the 49ers playing the Dolphins and then talked about the game after the 49ers played the Dolphins, the Dolphins couldn't run the offense they run specifically because of Fred Warner and his ability to eliminate the middle of the field. His you don't see players his size, 6-3, right? They you don't tend to see them at, at the linebacker position much anymore. Uh and and especially not with the athletic uh you know, the athletic profile that he has. And then I just I I always think back to that uh was it the second Rams game where he had that highlight where you see, it, they the Rams were running uh, off tackle, uh, off left tackle, and the the running back is is uh, on the opposite hash. You don't even see Fred Warner in the screen, and then all of a sudden, you just see this missile come into the screen, and then he just goes fully horizontal like a missile, and just hits Cam Akers and knocks him right on his ass. And I'm like, oh my god, might be one of my favorite plays of the entire season. Um, but yeah, Fred Warner. Uh, captain of the defense um, kind of feels like uh, one of the spokespersons for the team. I think a lot of people look to him for his leadership and uh, I I don't think this defense is what it is without him. And so I'm going to go with Fred Warner, Uh, but there's so many deserving, uh, players, I think you know under the radar. You look at guys like Charles Amenahu, who I think had a huge season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Samson Ebukam, right? These guys opposite Nick Bosa. You could even talk about Eric Armstead and the and the impact he has, which you could see when he was out. Right? They they still had great run defense, but you know the the I feel like the pressure that the that the defensive line got uh, on opposing quarterbacks ratcheted up a notch once once Armstead came back. This one is specific for me because I I wanted to highlight this person. So I'm going to say assistant coach of the year, non D'Amico Ryan's edition, right? Obviously I think D'Amico Ryan's is the assistant coach of the year in the NFL. I I don't know that we talk enough about, and also I don't know that there's enough out there about the job that Brian Greasy as the quarterbacks coach Mm -hmm. has done, not only for Jimmy Garoppolo, but for Brock Purdy as well. Mm -hmm. I, again, like I said, it's, it's hard to quantify, but I don't feel like it's a coincidence that even prior to Christian McCaffrey coming here, Jimmy Garoppolo was playing better football. And I I think that, that, that correlates specifically with Brian Greasy. Here's the thing that Brian Greasy brings to the, the, the job as quarterbacks coach time in the Shanahan system and a full understanding of the verbiage and how to relate that to the quarterback specifically. And so I, I think he's done an incredible job. I, I don't think a lot of people talk about him, uh, but that would be my pick as Brian Greasy, quarterback coach.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't know how you go anywhere else. I, I think that's perfect. And you look at the Niners passing numbers this year, and <laughs> McCaffrey's throws included in this, but they completed 66% of their throws uh, through for 4,049 yards, 30 touchdowns to only nine interceptions an interception percentage of just 1.8, 7.9 yards per attempt. They were, they, like you said, Garoppolo played probably his best football that I've seen. Purdy's been a revelation. Um, You know, we don't, we don't know about Trey Lance, but a lot of that has to do with Greasy because I got Zane, I think you mentioned about Shanahan, not and Shannon is a huge part to do with it as well, but we mentioned the interceptions that we saw there were a lot. It was about an interception, a game for Shanahan throughout his whole career. And this year it hasn't happened. They've been, down they're under 10 interceptions this year which is terrific so yeah i gotta go with brian greasy too it was you know one of those hires that people are like oh what the hell are they doing you get them out of the booth and it ended up being another good one at some point we got to kind of stop second guessing what this team does because it, it it tends to work
3: yeah
2: so again i'm gonna go against the grain i would have chosen greasy as well but i'm gonna go with chris Krosek and sorry uh, sorry yeah chris Kusarik. Um, I'm eating a cough drop as we speak. I can't get my words out. <laughs> uh, so Chris Kossarek, uh has done a phenomenal job with just this, almost like this revolving door of talent on the defensive line. That is the strength and backbone of the defense. As the defensive line goes, the rest of the defense goes. So it's beyond Nick Bosa. It's, it's like you said, Samson Ebukam, and it's Jordan Willis who's making plays. It's Drake Jackson who's been making plays. It's guys that even if they're not- T.Y. McGill. T. Y. McGill, who's been fantastic in the run game, I like get just they have been making plays all over the field at all times, and it's not just getting to the quarterback; it's tipping a pass for an interception, like against the Raiders, right? Like the defensive line, like they came up with a big pick. It's just they've been an absolute force, and they've got two like two separate rotations of guys that can get after the quarterback and stop the run, and it's been just so great to see them that they've been healthy and they've been. This is what we. This is what we've hoped for in terms of potential for the defensive line. So Chris Kusarek gets uh, my assistant coach of the year.
3: Nice. And last thing on Brian Greasy, Greasy was also one of the ones that was high on Brock Purdy uh, in the draft. You know, they knew that they wanted to draft somebody and they knew that it would be late. And so they focused on players that they thought would be there. And uh, Purdy was the guy that, that Greasy and, and Peters both uh, focused on. So, you know, kudos to both those guys. Um, we are up against it. So uh, I'm going to, I'm going to just uh, pick one more um, and I'm going to say, uh, what was your favorite game of the year? Favorite game of the year. I'll go first. Cause oh. again, I was the one that came up with these awards. So uh, I'll give you guys time to think about it uh, for me. And, and this is for a couple of reasons, uh, but that dolphins game, uh, it was my game of the year. And the reason being is because one, I was there, my own, the only game I got to this season. So there's one, I was there. And then two, obviously it is the, the birth of the, uh, Brock Purdy legend. Uh, the, you know, the, 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 Mr. Irrelevant that became more than just relevant. And, uh, and, and and I was there for it. And so uh, to me, that's the thing is like, I I really genuinely believe in Brock Purdy. I, I do think that, that he is going to be the quarterback moving forward. Um, I don't think that they don't like Trey Lance. I just think that, it's going to be hard for them to to move away from him, especially if they make a deep run in the playoffs or a Super Bowl run, or what we're all hoping for, a Super Bowl victory. Um, and I just think it's cool that I can say to my grandkids one day, "Hey, I was at the game that that Brock Purdy came in to to take uh, take over for for Jimmy Garoppolo." So, uh, and then not only that, but but that team was hot as hell coming in, and they absolutely just stomped them out. And uh, I think that was. That was the beginning of this team being like, "Oh shit, this is, this is a team to be reckoned with."
2: Yeah, I think I think that's a good choice. Um, I guess I'll go next. I'm gonna go. Hatton T-shirt game in Seattle on a Thursday night, short week. Brock Purdy had the oblique injury, gutted it out, and like you said earlier in the show, there wasn't one moment in that game where we thought Seattle was actually gonna win that game. Dominant performance against a team that has given you fits over the years in a place that's been a ho- house of horrors for you. And you went up there, got a decisive win for the division, and (laughs) essentially asserted your dominance atop of this division once again. It was psychologically huge. It was huge for the season to wrap it up so early, and it was huge for Brock Purdy's confidence because he was able to go into a hostile environment, which we may see in the playoffs at some point, or maybe not. And he was able to get a a really, really important win. Huge.
1: My favorite game was the Bucs game, and and I'll tell you why. Because to me... I didn't know what to expect going into that game with Purdy. Played well against Miami, but Tampa Bay had a good defense. Not that Tampa Bay was a great team. This has been a great team. This should have been a stretch of the imagination, but still Tom Brady. There's still a lot of talent there. The defense is still good. You know, they, you know, they have dealing with some injuries and they came out and they just blew the doors off them. And that was as excited as I've gotten, you know, doing this. And, you know, when you kind of pull the curtain back, I always say, like, and you see how things happen? It can, it can dull things a little bit. Like you start to look at things as a business and, and that sort of thing. You see the game a little bit differently. And also it's been a polarizing couple seasons with the fan base and, and the quarterbacks and people going at each other. And, and when you do content and you kind of put yourself out there, you hear a lot of shit from people. You really do. So it was a kind of contentious couple of years. And that was the first time I felt in a little while where it was just like the fan just came out again. Everybody was, was united. Just just Yeah, but even even even, even just for me personally, oh yeah, it was like the fan came out of me again for the first time in a really long time. Like I was like a pump in my fist Niners fan again for the first time in a in a in a while. And it felt good again because that's why I started doing this. That's that's because I you know I love the team and everything like that. So I know it sounds kind of corny, but that that was where it was for me, like watching that game, like holy shit, like this is awesome. This is like special again. Like this is somebody the fan base is behind. It was cool, it was just cool. So it was a blowout. You know, it wasn't maybe like a game where you would think where it was a big comeback or anything. It just, for me personally, it was a game where I was like, yeah, yeah, this is it.
3: I, I, you know what, it, you know what it is out? This team is fun again for the first mm-hmm. time in a while. Yeah, yeah. That's what it is for me. It's fun. Like it's legitimately yeah, fun. Right. And that's, and that's, and that's different. That's different.
1: L- Last year. And some people may think I'm crazy by saying this because they went to the freaking NFC championship game and had the late season run. Last year was not fun for me. And no. maybe it's just me. I don't know. Maybe it's just me personally. It felt like a stressful season. Yeah. It just felt like, I, I don't know. It was, it was one of the strangest years I can remember being a fan of one of my ride or die teams. It was just weird. And I was happy, you know, obviously you're coming close to the Super Bowl. It's great. But like, I don't know. It was like, it took a lot out of me or something. I don't know. Like you said, Brian, it's just right now, this, this, this is just fun again. It's just fun. Yeah. I feel like it's, it's, kind of houses money with the quarterback, but they're still loaded. And I'm just having a good time being a fan again. And I I feel like when I'm watching the games again, I'm not looking at from business perspective or from like anything like that. Like I'm looking at it again. Like, yes, it's cool. This is this fandom. It's it's cool. Yeah, I love it. Hey,
3: before we get out of here, I was going to say, before we get out of here, we have this question in the chat. I want to throw it up for you guys. Uh, Who you got tonight, Georgia or TCU?
1: I forgot the game was even on. (laughs)
2: <laughs> so, um, <laughs> i'll say georgia georgia yeah
1: i feel yeah. like it's going to be like 50 to 13 georgia it's yeah probably georgia. Gonna be nice better. I, I
2: wanted harbaugh honestly i wanted michigan but so yeah. did i yeah. yeah
3: yeah um you mean future indianapolis colts head coach jim harbaugh um <laughs> i yeah. i agree uh i agree um i'm gonna pick georgia i don't think it's gonna be a blowout but by the way if tcu can pull this off I mean, talk about a story, right? Sunny yeah. Di- Sonny Dyke's first season as head coach, and they started the season unranked. And yeah. now they're in the national championship game. And if they can win it, uh, I, I got to wonder, has there ever been a situation where a national champion started the season unranked? I don't know that answer. Somebody look that up for me and then yeah. uh, tweet at me. I mean, and, Sonny and was a good know.
2: coach here. He was he, Sonny was a good coach in the Bay, man. He he had some good teams. Cow. Here, so yeah. yeah, he did. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah. yeah, also one more one more piece of news before we get out of here. Um, it was announced earlier today that DeMar Hamlin has been released from the hospital yes. and is going home. Huge, yes. huge, huge victory. Huge, huge win. Really, really happy to hear that. Awesome, awesome news.
3: Literally seven Enjoy. days from seven, like seven days ago. It was you know, man, unbelievable. Yeah. What a story. Good Amazing. for DeMar. Love it. Yep.
1: All right, guys. We're up against it. Uh, please like and subscribe to the show if you haven't already. Download us. And for Brian and Zane, I'm out.
3: Peace. Later. 9 on three. One, two, three. 2400
1: Sports is an Odyssey Company.